Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Shadow Work Library. On today's episode, we are chatting with Chris Marhefka, who's the CEO of Training Camp for the Soul. And we get into some pretty juicy shadow work topics like parental imprinting and patterning. Chris specifically gets into which aspects of your personality or your conditioning are shaped by your mom and your dad or your parental figures. We discuss how to stop over-processing uncomfortable physical sensations that can manifest as anxiety. And then Chris shares this very real and relatable story about how he created this unconscious scenario over and over again that brought betrayal into his life, into his relationships as this recurring pattern. And he gets into what he does to help people break out of that pattern and what he did for himself. We also talk about how codependent behaviors may be the reason why some of your relationships are bringing out the worst in you. And he also shares a very good and grounded way to have what he calls an outing conversation with somebody who you're having a toxic relationship with, which is, this is probably a better option than just ghosting them completely, but you'll be able to see for yourself. I'll have the resources we discussed here in the show notes, along with where you can find him on Instagram and his website for Training Camp for the Soul. So enjoy the show, and as always, if you have any questions about what we discussed here, you can always send me a DM on Instagram at jessicadepatsy underscore, that's D-E-P-A-T-I-E, and, and, if you're liking the show, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts would be amazing for me. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this interview with Chris Marhefka. Yeah, I started following you on Instagram, and I'd seen that you had exploded your life. Mm-hmm. And start it all over. And I always love when people do that. I also definitely respect when people go about it the slow way. I think that actually might be a better way to do it. But sometimes desperate <laughs> times calls for desperate explosions. So welcome. Maybe you can give our audience, all, all our friend listeners, a little mm-hmm. bit of insight into what your deal is. Who are you? Cool. <laughs> cool. And and I will say that. Uh, for as much as I did explode my life, I didn't go into it intending to. In fact, I looked for every option not to burn it all to the ground, and I ended up burning it all to the ground, <laughs> um, yeah. which was useful for me. But yes, it, it did come with a bit of uh, discomfort. <laughs> I feel you. I'm in the burn it all down club. I've I've had a couple seasons <laughs> of that. I'm hope, hoping that I'm like on my last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I tell myself that there's like something else. I'm like, all right. I, here we this go is again. the last time. <laughs> yeah. This is it for real. Yeah. And this, this journey for me, I, I always uh, say is, is actually relatively new. Um, the, this level and depth of work, I really only came to uh, January 2019, so almost two years ago. Before that, don't get me wrong, I was doing a lot of development work. However, it was all uh, it was all like thinking work. It was all logical. It was all in the in the conscious awareness of like how do I get more efficient? How do I put in better habits to make my life better? And those were all really useful. I did about 10 years of that. I, I was an entrepreneur um, that during that whole decade. And it was all just about being a better leader, uh, being better at business, being better at marketing, being better boss, um, better communicator. And like all those were really, really great tools. What happened though, is I came to an awareness sometime around that decade mark of doing this work where I'd read hundreds of books and read 
listened to all the podcasts, did the seminars, and I was still bumping up against the same ceilings, like these, these limiting ceilings that I kept hitting. And I was aware that I was hitting them, but I couldn't really verbalize or intellectualize what was happening because it didn't make sense to me. I was like doing things that I knew weren't good for me. And they kept bringing, like coming back around and coming back around in different areas of my life. And it, it was at this point that I had climbed the proverbial ladder of like all the things that I thought I wanted in my life. I hit them all by 30, by 30 years old. I thought it would take me a lifetime. I mean, I, I had built a few successful businesses that I was really proud of and I was proud of the work I was doing. Um, I, I was married, uh, I had the house and, and doing really well financially. And I had all the things, I had a great community. And yet there was just something that was missing. Like there was something that was felt inauthentic to it. Even though I was doing all good things and having good intentions, there's something missing at a deeper level that I was feeling. And once I hit that point, um, I actually, before I was aware of it, I spent about a year to two years starting to burn things down unconsciously because I was like, okay, if this isn't it, like, like, like I'm get like, like I'll just burn that. It's got to be something else. And I was always searching out externally for the thing. And so if there's a thing that was there and it wasn't working, I was just like in this period where I was just like, get rid of it, burn it down. And I was doing that with relationships. I was doing that with my businesses. I was starting to really uh, separate myself from all this, this life that I had created. And I couldn't really figure out why. And then fast forward to doing this program, Training Camp for the Soul, which I, I now run and facilitate for, I did it as a participant and it completely blasted open my perspective of myself and others and the world and, and business and money and relationships. And it was completely different from the way that I was viewing the world. Um, and up until that point, I wasn't even aware of the fact that like other people thought differently than I did. Like I wasn't even aware that like there were other perspectives and like that blasted open my, yeah, blasted my brain, blasted my heart open. Uh, I, I learned to start feeling the sensations and emotions that I had been suppressing for 32 years at that point. And um, it, it really got me okay with myself is the best way that I can put it. It got me so okay and accepting of myself and my emotions that I stopped making decisions for other people. And I stopped doing things just because I believed it's what other people thought I should do or the life that I should have, which was the first 30 years of my life. It was all, it was, it was all the script that I was handed. And um, I made a commitment to myself when I did that program to start following my heart and to start doing what I, I deeply desired rather than just what I had been doing, which required me to tear a lot of things down like we started this show with it required me to remove and burn down some things that weren't in alignment with my heart um, e even though they when I did them they may have been good for me at the time but they just weren't serving me anymore and that's what I uh, is hard for people to understand that have, have known my journey is that it wasn't about these were the wrong things. They were just wrong for me now in this moment. And I, I had more information and I was following a different path. And so I had to, I had, I ended up selling my businesses. I, I moved, I sold my house in Florida. I ended up hitting the road and 
eventually also separating from and divorcing my wife, um, which was uh, one of the most difficult things that I ever went through. And like basically forced me up against uh, the largest growth edge of my life. I thought going through the work was like initially was the growth. But then once that came up, um, September of last year, that was like the hardest thing for me to to accept and, and be with. And uh, a lot of my growth that has come since then was a result of that. And I'm really grateful for it. Um, so yeah, a lot of things burned down to get there. Now, fortunately, I've in, in going through a lot of that and sharing my own personal stories, it provides an example of a different way of living and it also provides a different roadmap for people that are going through similar things. And so now in facilitating that work, I can very much uh, empathize and have compassion for so many different people because I was living it not that long ago. And I can really resonate with what most people go, have gone through. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. There are certain types of people on this planet that are meant to have for their first 30 years that trial and error kind of life, right? Mm-hmm. I get yep. that. And then <laughs> it does offer such a great book to read for other people to, so they don't have to go through the trial and error portion if they don't want to. You can always mm-hmm. choose to do that. So you had mentioned that for the first 30 years, you were, you were like the character in this play of a script that you were given. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, we're all in our own play <laughs> or, or our own movie. And um, the script that we're playing out, aka our lives, like how our lives are shaping out, um, is initially handed to us. And most people go through their life without realizing that, that, that they were handed their script. And what I mean by that is that the way we the way we think, the way we speak, the way we be, the, re- the reason why we take actions was all programmed in us at a very young age. Um, and very, I always say very innocently, our parents gave us the information that they had. And then uh, it starts with our mom and dad, but then it, it goes out to our communities, our churches, our governments, our countries, our communities. Um, but it's all reinforcing the same ideals. And so what happens is, is we get really clear um, before we even have an adult mind, like from zero to seven, like we don't actually think logically. So when you talk, try to talk logically to a five-year-old child, it doesn't compute for them because they're literally making the story up on the spot. They're in their imagination. Um, and somewhere around like seven, eight years old, we start to develop a little bit more logic and our adult brain comes online and we start thinking the way that we, you and I do now. Um, the challenge though is by that point, most of, your, uh, most of your programming, most of your imprinting is already done. Like it happens from early, like womb to zero to all the way to seven. And what, what the, how the imprinting works is you're just this, you're just this little blob of flesh and consciousness that's viewing and observing the world and you're hearing and you're seeing and you're feeling the way that mom is, the way that dad is, like the way the world is. And you're just saying like, oh, that's how it goes. Like, that's how we do this. That's how this thing is. And it's all collecting data. And, and then you just repeat it. You regurgitate it. 
And, and what happens in childhood development is you either copy or you rebel. And so some people will say like, oh, I'm not like my mom at all. Like I'm completely opposite. Exactly. You saw mm-hmm. the things that you, you, you didn't like and you, you rebelled. And it wasn't really a conscious decision, but um, it's usually an energy uh, that comes on at that time that you felt. And so I was playing out the script of my mom and my dad. It was like this, go to the good school, get the good job, get married, stay married for your whole life, have the kids. Like um, it was, it was that lifestyle and I was playing it out really well. And I could have kept playing it out had I not become aware to that fact. I, I probably still would have gone through the same internal and emotional challenges but I got really good at suppressing it. I got really good at staying so even keeled that like things didn't affect me, but it absolutely did. Um, I just completely suppressed it. I got really good at protecting and distracting myself. Um, so when I came to the awareness that, that I was just, I was just living out this movie that was someone else's movie. And it, it really woke me up to the fact that I actually could start to change lines in the script. I could start to change lines in the programming and the code. And when I learned how to do it at, at the subconscious level, my life started drastically changing and not, not the type of changing that is like you're, you're acting. Um, I wasn't pretending anymore. And that's what I did for 10 years of development is like, okay, I have this bad habit. I'm going to put this good habit in place and then I'm going to keep doing it. But it was always hard. It was always like, I had to have discipline. I had to have willpower every time. It's like how most people do fitness and diets is like this willpower discipline game, but they're all fighting up against a belief system that they're, that is in conflict to what they're trying to do. So what happens is the belief system always, always wins. There, there will be a time when you're, you're not conscious or you get overwhelmed or you're stressed or you're in an emotional state and you default back to that old programming. So the secret is that I learned is that you can actually change that programming. You can change the script at a subconscious level so that you don't have to always be working against yourself which is how that first 10 years of development felt like for me. I was just working against the bad habits and the bad things that I had that I didn't want. They weren't useful for me. Um, so I started changing lines in the code. I started changing the script and, and it worked. I just, I reinforced it in the same way that the, the actor, um, when they're actually filming, they're not reading the lines anymore. They've memorized the lines and it's now who they are. When you see a really good actor, they're embodying the character because they've integrated it. And that's literally what we get to do with our identity. Um, and so I use the term like copying and modeling a lot. And so I learned to like see traits in other people that I admire. And I didn't have to admire everything about them, but I'm like, oh, I, I love how compassionate of a father that person is. I'm going to take that. I'm going to see what they do. I'm going to feel what they do. And I'm going to take that on and embody that. And so I started doing that because most of us really only have the example of mom and dad and then like some teachers and coaches and stuff like that. But those are less impactful than mom and dad. Um, and so we don't really have that many options of the way to be. And so I just started looking at the infinite number of options that are out there. And that gave me access to everything, <laughs> every option of living, which was really, really, really empowering. Mm, yeah. I find that many people who do this type of work 
often like you are nomadic because of that same reason, (laughs) because there are just so many options, literally places to live that it's so difficult to choose just one. And you want to experience them all because it brings out something different in you at every Mm -hmm. town, city, rural area. It's, it's, it's so beautiful because uh, traveling is one of the easiest, fastest ways to expand your perspective. By that, I mean, you just realize right away, like, oh, not everyone lives the way that I do. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, there's other things. And so it's, it's like, it's an abrasive way to do it. And, and that's one of the many reasons I love it. I see not just different areas and like topography and I see different people. Like they, mm-hmm. they literally have different belief systems. They, they move at different paces. They value different things. And it, it gives me so, so much compassion for when people are living in their story. Uh, and then also the perspective to know that like anything's really available to us. It's just a matter of like how, how much we want to change who we believe ourselves to be. Yeah. I think that that right there is, it speaks to the root of, of all kinds of issues that we, that we see like racism, for example, I don't, I've always felt like racism was, was just experience Like Mm -hmm. you don't meet lots of different types of people and therefore you don't have any accurate judgments on like what different types of people are like. And so if you're caught in a pattern of experience that's very like in a box and you're just like this is just the way I am and a very hardcore belief system on mm-hmm. you know I, I like to eat this kind of food and I like to have this kind of workout and I like these kinds of people I think yeah moving is like yeah. a great or even just vacationing right just a really yeah. great quick way to expand your experience mm-hmm. your understanding and I encourage people on their vacationing to not vacation to places that look exactly like the way they live, <laughs> which yeah. is how most people vacation. They just oh, yeah. create their life in a different country. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a little bit missing the point there. <laughs> Dude, totally. Yeah. My, I've been all over the world, but like for the first, when my parents, you know, we would go on like a, a yearly trip somewhere else, but we were cruise people. So yeah. like, I didn't, I come away with visiting so many countries, but literally not knowing anything about any country or having any culture added in my life. So I feel like I haven't gone anywhere. So I'm like trying to redo it now. Like, yeah, I've been to Istanbul, but like, you know, on princess cruises and surrounded by white people that. Private beach and like, yeah. yeah. Buffet food. Totally. Yeah. I like, I think I had a hot dog there. (laughs) Cool. Um, awesome. Do you even remember like the moment you woke up when you realized, oh, people are different than me? Hmm. So my, um, there was, there was a couple moments for me that really stand out. Um, one was actually, it was something very simple that Anat said in one of our calls on our virtual program that I took. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the people are different from me thing, but it was, mm-hmm. it was an awareness of, um, it, it was, a, it, it was an objective observing of what was happening, what I was doing for the first time. And she said something really simple, like, Chris, you know, everything's going to be okay. Right. And that's such a simple statement, but what it did was like, I had a moment where I stepped back. Like I literally <laughs> visualized myself back and I was looking at myself. I'm like, Oh shit, everything is going to be okay. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god." And that was like a fr- that was like a like a 
impactful moment and it was so simple. Um, I had uh, some other experiences that um, when I first started doing work on like patterning, started studying like the five personality patterns and some other behavioral patterns and, and yeah, and just like all these human design things. And it was just like, wow, there's a lot of different people out there. I remember like reading something and be like, what? I was reading like my profile and then like a friend's profile. I was like, this is completely different. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, how did you see it that way? But like, I You're get insane. it now. You yeah. like math? That's weird. What? <laughs> I know. I know. But that's such a beautiful thing that, that allows you to see other people. And until that point, I was just seeing other people as like, strange or ineffective versions of myself oh my god that is like, so you're just real. not doing me very well <laughs> wow that is the realness right there <laughs> i feel that yeah. yeah the moment that i woke up i took a 16 personalities like dot com test and uh-huh. saw my profile i was like i'm seen they see yeah. me and then it's so so simple but like wow yeah realizing mm-hmm. that people are different and then that's like they're they like being like that it's like wow yeah. weird <laughs> yep Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you guys do in your practice is help people break that um, per, uh, parental patterning, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, could you explain a little bit about that? That's fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the foundation of the work that we do at Training Camp for the Soul is, is we dive into the what we call limiting beliefs that people learn from mother and father. Um, and when it relates to childhood development, what you learn about mother is like an extension of yourself. You, you, when you were developing, you were in mother's womb for nine months, you came out, you were born when mom held you, you, you couldn't see, you couldn't really hear, you couldn't, it was just like, it was just all energy, but you felt familiar energy because you'd been in mom for nine months. That's literally where you developed. And so you learn about yourself through mom, like the way you think about yourself, the way you be, the way you uh, act. Uh, in relation to like taking care of yourself and then dad represents um, other energy. So like when dad held you for the first time and and hopefully for most people, he was at least there at birth. Um, And if he wasn't, it actually creates a, um, a, a gap in learning. So it's what it's, it's not whether or not they were there. It's what what you learned or didn't learn um, as it relates to mom and dad. And dad, can we stop right there? Like, so what, so what does that mean if, if somebody's dad wasn't there at birth? Yeah, so uh, it can create um, it can create a few different stories, but generally it's that there's a lack of connection to others. There's a lack lack of connection. Well, actually, let me take take a step back. Even if dad wasn't there, the next person that you uh, interact with deeply and feel their energy is going to be imprinted as your model of the world. So maybe it was like a stepdad, but they were there at birth for you. Like it was some, or maybe it was like a grandparent and they got imprinted as representing other. But what happens is is if that person isn't an impactful part of your life from zero to seven, usually the story is that that person, that the first energy of outside of yourself is no longer there. So you actually you learn that you can't really trust others because they're, they're gone now. You don't know if they're going to come back and you have a tough time connecting to others because maybe they won't be there. Or um, what usually happens is we either uh, put that father figure, whoever was first imprinted as, 
as father either on a pedestal and they, they either stay there and we, we hold other people to that esteem or they break our hearts and they fall from that pedestal. And so that's usually the story that happens. Um, so either they uphold that or they don't. And so it's, it's either, um, it, usually it, it, it's the way we teach it is as it's a father, but it can very much be someone else. The challenge really comes and, and I empathize so much with this when there are single parents that don't have, uh, say that way, a father figure, is they, they try to play both roles. And from mm-hmm. a cultural standpoint, that can, that can sometimes happen. But from an energetic standpoint, there's going to be a gap. So it's either um, like mom will play more of the father role or she'll play more of the mother role. And it's, you start to, as a child, remember, it doesn't make sense. Like logically, mom is doing her best or logically dad is doing their best with what they have. But as a child, you're just experiencing it and making up stories based on what you're seeing, feeling, and hearing. Um, And so, you know, kids can make up the darndest things. And I always use this example. I share this example on a lot of podcasts because it resonates how silly these things can actually be. um, And they can impact our entire life. So I actually had um, uh, an experience when I was about four or five. And when I did this work, it came very clear to me. Sometimes it does for people. Sometimes it's not really that clear, but you just feel the energy of it. I was playing soccer, whatever soccer is at four or five, a bunch of kids running around chasing the ball. And um, I recall the feeling of practice ending and like all the parents coming over and like hugging their kids and like, Oh, great job on the game, Jamie and whatever. Um, and then them all leaving. And I was the last one sitting with the coach and I was looking around and I didn't see dad. And so meanwhile, dad had just turned around and walked like 50 feet away to watch my sister play on a field right next to him. Like he was literally in sight. I just didn't see him. And so for like a period of five minutes, the internal child, like the inner child was like, Oh my God, like I'm being abandoned right now. Like other, like I can't trust other people because they will abandon you. And so yeah, in, in just five minutes as a five-year-old. And what happened is dad came back. He just thought practice ended like five minutes later. And he's like, oh, I was just watching your sister. Cool, hug, like everything's fine. Coach doesn't notice anything different. Dad doesn't notice anything different. Because why would they? That's not reasonable. What happened though is like that imprinted me with like others will abandon you. You will be betrayed by others or you can't trust others. And there was this like that um, – what, what happened from there is I started to, what, this is what the mind does. I started to see more evidence of it because it was very present to me. And then my dad was a commercial airline pilot. So he would go away and I would never know when he was going back. The kids don't understand time. They're like, oh, dad will be back in a week. But every morning I would get up and dad wasn't there. And it was like this, like this panic moment. Like, I don't know if he'll come back. And what happened was, is for, from that period through the rest of my life, I was creating scenarios where I was casting people to abandon me. I had uh, many, uh, had more than one uh, girlfriend cheat on me, but I was casting them in that role. I would keep my employees like at a distance because there were I couldn't fully trust everyone. I couldn't trust people, and I couldn't let them in, and so it affected all of my relationships because I thought like I was like 
I'm in this for myself. And I was like, I can't quite trust other people. So um, I'll, I'll pretend like I can, I'll pretend to connect, but I'm really not. And so we can all imagine how that affects the relationships in my life is no one could ever really feel me. Uh, I never really opened up to anyone, including my, my partner of 10 years. Um, and it was incredibly like impactful in my life from that one really silly experience. Like that was the root that it all tied back to. And it doesn't make any sense at all. But as a child, I made so much, I made that experience so meaningful that it became my new operating script. And that's what we refer, like, that's what trauma is. Trauma is anything that disrupts the current pattern and creates a new, uh, a new way, a, a new thinking, a new being, a new homeostasis. And so in that moment, that little developmental trauma that most people would be like, oh, that's silly, completely changed the trajectory of the way that I view and trust others. And everyone has things like that that have happened to them. Some of them may be more um, like objectively impactful, like what we would call big T trauma of abuse and verbal sexual um, and physical abuse. It may be like a physical injury or accident that was impactful, or it could be something really silly, like a kid on the playground, like told you you were fat or something like that. And you didn't even remember it until you go into that level and you're like, Oh my God, like that's been driving my whole life. Um, silly things like that can really program belief systems that then the more we reinforce them, the more they become who we are. And that is the downside. The upside is that when we learn how that system works, we can actually reprogram it and reinforce new in the exact same way. So we just create new actions and behaviors that more align with our new beliefs. Um, like for me, it would be like one of my affirmations is very clearly like I trust others. Like I open up to others. I share my heart with others. I connect with others. And then I would just create uh, behaviors to do that. One would be for me was very common was when I feel something like I want to say it and then I swallow it back down, that is my opportunity to let someone in, to be vulnerable with someone. So every time I felt that sensation of like, oh, I've got this thing I want to say it, and then I bring it back, like, nope, that's my sign. Now I say it. And so what it led to was a new pattern of me just saying what I, like what I was genuinely feeling to let people in. And so that's the way we program it in the direction we do want. That's pretty cool. I, I also have a similar pattern where I recognized just a couple of years ago that when I swallow, it means I'm disagreeing with what that person's saying, but I'm too afraid to say something about it because mm -hmm. I don't want to create conflict. And so it's taken me a long time to be like, oh God, the swallow thing happened. All right, let's just <laughs> see what happens if I say this thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's healthy, right? Though it's healthy to get that stuff out of you. Oh, absolutely. The, the body, and this is the, the work that we do is so much in the body. The body gives us cues all the time. Our physical patterns, like our movement patterns are just mimicking our emotional patterns. And so like that in our throat, like when we're swallowing stuff down, that is a very classic example of not speaking your truth, not speaking what you want to. Um, and because of judgment or fear or whatever, 
Um, there's also like really contracting safety. Like anytime we're like crossing over our body or like contracting, we're literally feeling unsafe. And the opposite of like opening our body is feeling safe in the world, feeling safe with others and in self. And so we work in the body to change them really at the same time. They happen interchangeably because the, the traumas, the memories, the, the thinking is actually stored in the cellular system of the body and the mind is just accessing it. That's it. And so we, we work at a very like physical level to release that energy. And what, what people experience is like, oh, wow, my body feels different. I feel so much more space or so much more lightness is because we let that stuck energy move. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, like it's not like it's not like winding down or contracting or nauseousness or that feeling in the throat or tightness in the chest. Um, all these are just sensations. Uh, and we make these sensations mean things as humans we just make meaning of everything and so it's like oh i have this feeling in my stomach oh that's anxiety i'm calling that anxiety and then every time i feel that sensation like oh that's anxiety oh what do i do when i have anxiety i do this and do this do this Mm. What, what we teach people that's very empowering is is let's get past the label of anxiety let's get past the label of fear of of all whatever it is let's go to the sensation and let's get Let's get accurate with what's actually happening. She's like, oh, I'm just having tingling in my stomach. Oh, there's a warm sensation here. Like, oh, it feels tight. It feels like there's a ball in my throat. Uh, Great. What color is that ball? What temperature? And you'd be surprised how accurate people can get when we send the awareness into the sensation. And they realize like, oh, wow, like this is just something that's happening in my body. And what most people get to some point of realizing is that every decision they're making in their lives is to avoid feeling something in their own system. So when you get okay with feeling it, your decisions can come from your heart. They don't have to be driven by all these external factors that everyone's trying to avoid because they might feel a certain way in their body. It's very empowering. Yeah, definitely. If we could rewind a little bit, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about a really specific thing that you had talked about, which was cheating. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, as people probably know from the show, I've been kind of open about it. I used to cheat all the time. Um, but for you and creating the space for that to reoccur in your life, like what what do you think was going on there for, for people who might have this as a major theme in their lives? Absolutely. And um, I'm glad you came back to that because it's, it's one that most people in relationship to others, people get really confused about mm-hmm. what we, what we, what we are doing literally when we're interacting with people in our world are we are casting people in certain roles. And what happens is when we get into a belief system, like, um, like I did, like I can't trust other people or other people betray me. And I would literally seek out people unconsciously to fill that role. And then I would project that onto them. This is what, what we do with our wounds is we project our wounds onto them. And then we, we create a scenario that they have no other option but to betray me because that's what I'm casting them in. And what happens sometimes is that um, like some people – maybe like that's not like that's not me i don't know what happened like it felt like i got hijacked you did you literally played into someone else's script and so that's what's happening a lot of times um is that 
we are just seeking people to fill a role. What happens a lot in our program is, is I get cast as father all the time. Uh, and not my partner gets cast as mother because we're literally going through those wounds and they have nothing else but to project them onto us as they're coming up. They're projecting them because that's all they know how to do. And what we do is we just mirror it right back. And so that's when, when someone shows up in your life that like doesn't fit any of your scripts usually people don't know what to do and they just like they get distance from them because like, this is strange like this doesn't mm. compute but when someone does that's why people say like oh you marry your mother you marry your father you do literally because that's your model and you're finding you're finding people but more accurately you're you're creating them in a situation that may not actually be accurate to how they're experiencing it the way we're viewing them is the way is different than the way they're viewing themselves so if i like if i believe that a wife is supposed to act a certain way i'm going to project that onto a wife and they are going to i'm only going to see the evidence of them doing that because that's what mm -hmm. my belief is i'm not going to like if you walk around every day thinking that I'm jumping around for metaphors. If you walk around every day thinking like, oh, everyone's an asshole, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see all the assholes in the world. If you walk around uh, believing people gen are genuinely kind, loving, and compassionate, that's what you're going to see and experience in your world because the mind just seeks to reinforce the beliefs. It seeks evidence and it finds it. And so that's why we say like you can create your own reality. It's not that the physical reality is necessarily different. Like you're there on the other side of the screen, I'm there on this side. But the way that I'm experiencing you is different than maybe someone else is experiencing you. And if you have 10 listeners listening to the show, they're all going to receive it very differently based on their programming. So like some people may hear this and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's really powerful. That resonates. And some people may be very triggered by certain things. It's just they're, they're playing into their story. And if it bumps up against a wound and they're not ready to hear it or feel it, they're likely going to be triggered by it. And they'll literally project out like anger or distrust or whatever onto it. And that's what happens in, in relationships a lot is that like people play into our wounds we cast them there, they play into it. And then we wonder why it played out the way that it always does. Mm -hmm. Cause like we're creating that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very good friend of mine who were, were no longer friends. It was one of the um, fires that I had started um, because I had realized that she was feeding into my shadows and I was feeding into hers and we created the just most fantastic never ending loop of conflict, um, and, and repressive and reactive mm -hmm. kind of like patterns. And it got to the point where, um, I was my worst version of myself around her and I didn't understand why that was. Everything else in my life was playing out exactly how I had wanted to, but this old friendship that, um, that we had continued on with just wasn't working out anymore. And it's one of those situations where I just know wholeheartedly that even though it didn't end well, and I, I wasn't like graceful going about exploding that, um, it's just so much better for us because mm -hmm. I'm not enabling her. She's not enabling me anymore. We have to find people that are um, not going to make it easy for us to stay in that undeveloped mm -hmm. self the undeveloped little girl that just like needs this thing yeah and 
that's that's a like a very classic like codependent patterns where we mm-hmm. find people that that merge so well with our wounding and they just reinforce that wounding that's so comfortable for us and it creates this codependent relationship and what happens mm-hmm. is when someone starts to heal when one of the two starts to heal the thing that the relationship was founded on like the codependent behaviors they don't actually need the other person anymore and the other person is trying to pull them back because they're like hey this is like they're not comfortable that you're breaking their pattern and they're pulling you back because that's the only thing that they know um and that was that was like a classic like example of like what happens in a lot of relationships is that one partner outgrows the other and it's not it's not a um it's not the I hate to say that it's like, it's not a negative thing. It's just one partner is choosing to heal certain things. And what will happen is, is they'll start to grow apart in some way because they're not bonding over trauma anymore. So either they have to set, they have to like discontinue the relationship as is, or they just have to reinvent it based on new things. They're like, okay, now you're this person. Now I'm this person. Okay. Let's see what's there now as these new identities but I'm not going to buy into the old story and you have to have those conversations. And that's why it's really beautiful when two people end up growing together because you were literally becoming new people and you're still choosing to be together. You're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to work this out and Oh, it still works. And then you grow again and they're like, okay, we have to figure this out again. Okay. New people. Boom. And that's, that's actually how people get, deeper in in like true connection is that they learn that they can do that um and it's not they're not staying together just because they said they were going to 10 years ago it's because they're actually choosing to accept this new version of this person as they are without judging or trying to change them and then vice versa as well so they're both choosing it's a really really beautiful and really rare thing because most people unfortunately are still showing up in their wounds Um, so there's not a lot of healthy expressions as is. And then there's, when they get together, it's amazing because they (laughs) can grow in that way. There are so many things that I want to ask you. You should see my paper here. It's just like (laughs) coherent scribbling. Um, I wanted to ask you how, what is the strategy for helping or letting people go, um, relationships that are just perhaps too far distant or one partner, this could be a friend or like a professional relationship or platonic. Um, they're not willing to look at mm-hmm. their, their shadows, um, you know, without ghosting. Cause I think that's, that's the easy right. way out. Uh, it's a realistic way out too sometimes, but yeah. What do you, what would you do? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Cause I, I agree. I don't believe in ghosting. I don't believe in doing that. I, I genuinely believe in giving people uh, the opportunity to surprise you. Cause if we're casting someone a different way, guess what? That's the only way they can be They're like, Oh, they can't handle the new me. Like, guess what? You didn't give them a chance to. So I do believe in giving them the chance. And that's where, what I call like outing conversations come in. And it goes like this. It's like, Jessica, we've been friends for a long time and I've been showing up in this way for the entirety of our friendship. I've been acting this way. I've been speaking this way and I'm, I'm, I'm committed to shifting that. I, I don't like, I don't like that part of me. I'm healing that. And so I'm choosing to, to act in this way now. And this is what I'm asking of you to support me in that. And it's like, can you do that? Yes or no. And then no matter what they say, 
then you just see and you're like, hey, as a reminder, like, hey, I'm not going to talk negatively about other people when we're together. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to do this instead. I'd like to talk about us and our connection. And then you just see if they can. And what happens is people either show up and they do, and it supports them in their growth, which is really powerful. So by you showing up more vulnerably, they can be like, oh, wow, like I actually don't like talking negatively about other people either. So they bring that to their other relationships. Or they're just like, uh, I was like, fuck this guy. I was like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to talk shit whatever. <laughs> and that was then, a weird conversation. Yeah. Weird. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're like weirdo. And so, <laughs> and so what you get to decide is you get to regulate how much time you spend with them. And if they're really toxic, that may mean breaking it off completely and just sharing that with like sharing that you're not going to be spending more time with them. Or it may be just be like really regulating the knob on how much energy you're putting into that. I use family as an example. Like we're all got the holidays coming up. We'll see some family that may not be in resonance with the person we are now. And so it's just a matter of what I do is I show up in, in loving compassion and curiosity. I ask a lot of questions, but anytime I feel I'm getting drained, I just separate. I'm like, cool, great conversation. Just go do something else. Maybe take a walk by myself, um, whatever it may be just to recharge. But the more in tune you get with your own energy, the more you realize how other people are affecting it. And you just choose to spend less time with the people that drain you and more time with the people that fill you up. Okay. I want to get back to that like limbic adrenal hijacking, but to close <laughs> the loop on the, on the cheating topic, mm -hmm. um, I did want to ask you if you have any tools for people that may be stuck in that pattern and they don't, want to continue that like what is the process for helping somebody out of casting roles in their relationships um first there has to be an awareness there like awareness is step one always you have to be aware of what's happening so aware of the pattern is one thing but then getting to acceptance of it and then getting to the root of it is another so the root may be for for example you're you may be creating a ceiling that is like, uh, it may be similar to mine actually, like don't trust others. And so uh, hurt them before they hurt you. Or it may be like, you're not worthy to have the partner of your dreams. So like when it starts to shape up like the, a great partner, you break it off because your belief is that you're not worthy. And so unconsciously, you're just sabotaging things. And it could be a few other stories like that. But um, Basically, what you're doing is is you're just using the cheating as a uh, as a protective mechanism from um, experiencing something that doesn't align with your beliefs. If that makes sense, mm. so you're you're just playing out the script of um, this is just how it goes, and a lot of people are always creating artificial ceilings, these limiting reliefs. It's just a matter of knowing which one you're bumping up against. Um, and then ideally getting to the root of it. So like, where did this come from? Like, where did you learn that you're not worthy of love from others? And that is likely cast from father or your parents relationship. And the mechanism of cheating isn't really the problem. It's the thing that you're, it's the belief that's underlying, underlying that's causing the cheating. And so what most people do is they just carry a lot of shame or guilt or they're just like, why do I do this? And they start to logically process it. it it's, it's 
usually creates more problems than it does solve it because that's actually not the issue that needs to be there. It's like, what makes you feel that you need to cheat? It may be that you're just, you're afraid to share what you really feel about that person. And it's a lot easier to cheat than to actually communicate. Like, Hey, I don't really want to be with this person. There's something intuitively like this relationship isn't working. I can't put my finger on it. But like, if, if I were to communicate that, that'd be really uncomfortable. So I'm just going to cheat. It could Mm -hmm. be a number of different things, but getting to the root of what's there is um, in in my experience, really the only way to really heal it and shift the pattern. Um, because it's, uh, it's not an other person thing. Cause you said you like in your, in your situation, I hope you don't mind using you no, as please an do. example. Okay, cool. Um, it happened with multiple people and in our relationships, that's usually the case. If you've had a few relationships, they usually play out relatively similar because it's not the other person. It's just, you're playing your role and you're casting them in the role that needs to be played. And so I always like when I'm doing my own work and encouraging others, it's, it's when you bump up against something that you don't call it, don't like about your life, how quickly can you look in the mirror and see what is your responsibility? Most people are doing the exact opposite. The first thing they're doing is they're looking external and like, okay, what's everyone else's responsibility? And then I'll look at myself. Most people don't ever get there (laughs) Mm because they're still making stories about everyone else. So first look to you and say like, hey, what is causing me to do this? Like, when, like, when did this start happening? Like, like, what was my experience? Is this mom's energy? Is this dad's energy? Do I remember a time when this belief came up of like, don't trust others or whatever it may be? Um, the, the, belief, the beliefs will oftentimes have different words, but there usually be like one of four or five main stories that like, has, has something to do with um, self-worth and love and other people and trusting them and trusting yourself and stuff like that. So, And so you say a lot of this work isn't really a mental construct, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, but it sounds like you're having people think about things, but really it's coming, is it coming from a different place? Like when you have people. Yeah. The awareness, memories. the awareness usually comes in the mind. Uh, for, for most people initially that come to do this work, they have an awareness of something. (laughs) Ironically, the something that they know is happening is literally just the, how it's playing out. It's not the real, like I always say, like, there's no such thing as business problems or relationship, communication problems, money problems. There's just belief problems and a certain belief can be playing out in multiple areas of your life. And so it's not about solving it at the business level or at the relationship level. It's like, Oh, what's deeper than that? And so most people are aware of the surface thing. Mm-hmm. What we do is we, we, we use a series of like visualizations to get people in their body. And what happens is, is when you hear, like when you hear the belief, the body acts, it, it reacts in a visceral way. Like you'll feel a sensation arise. If I were to say like, um, like for me, when I heard like Chris, others will betray you like previous, I would like feel it. I would tighten up and there'd be like this protective thing. And so my body is literally telling me, Oh, that's the thing. And so it's that awareness is much deeper than the brain because most people say like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Like, Oh, I I trust people like that. And they, they instantly go to their mind to try to rationalize why that's not true. 
but what they're ignoring is the wealth of information that's happening in their body that's telling them like, oh no, you're really reacting to this. Like this is an emotional response. And emotions are just energy in motion. So we go to the energy in the body and we're like, okay, there's energy that's moving right now. Like there's something going on when, when I say this to you, you react. So let's dive into this. Where did this come from? And then it, it either comes of getting to the ener energy of it. So we just go into like tracking the energy that's happening in the body, or we go into like the story of it, which is like, oh, when I was five, this happened. And we, we actually re, uh, we revisit and we close the loop on what happened so that we can then choose something different. We can choose a new belief. Um, and the difference between reliving it and what we do is we actually observe it. So we observe the experience as adult self and child going through it so that they don't get overwhelmed in it again, which is can be overwhelming for, for really impactful events. So. Um, I don't know if that answered the question. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? What are we talking about? <laughs> I just get going sometimes. <laughs> you're just, you're receiving the message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, the question about the mind. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. To reiterate, it doesn't, this level doesn't happen in the mind because the mind that we're using to solve the problem didn't exist when the problem was created. I'll say that again. <laughs> the mind that most people are using to solve their problems, the adult conscious mind, the rational mind, didn't exist when most of these uh, belief systems were formed, when the, when the quote unquote problem, the limiting belief was imprinted. And so that adult mind can't even understand the problem. It wasn't, it wasn't there. It didn't experience it. It's all energetic. And so the mind is really good at in the integration phase where we then take the new belief and we reinforce it in the mind with affirmations and actions and behaviors. The mind is really good at that, but really the mind just carries out programming. That's all it does. It carries it out. It doesn't actually do much else. It processes information what we teach people how to do is get to the level of the information, which is in the body. So where does resistance usually pop up in, in your line of work? Resistance is absolutely in the mind. And it's what it is, is it's what is happening is bumping up against people's egos, their identity. So when we get to something that is, is, is like a deep wound, the ego, the identity is literally hanging on because it is a, a blatant attack on what you've chosen to believe your entire life. And so to, to accept anything other than that would be an attack on your identity. And so it, it's all unconscious, it's all happening unconsciously. But um, what it means is that you're completely changing who you are and the ego doesn't like that. The ego is designed to protect you. It's literally puts up walls around you to continue to be a certain way. And that happens through actions and beliefs and thoughts. And you just create this, this cage, this structure. And it's useful to the point where you don't really have to think about anything. That's what the ego does. It just, it's an automatic, just, just goes. And when that starts to get attacked, like, like you're beating down the walls with a hammer and it starts to chip away and chip away, like it just comes up stronger and it says, 
like, no, like I'm going to, I'm going to stand and protect, I'm going to do my job basically. And it just does its job even harder. Um, the secret is it's not about crushing the ego ego. It's about, um, accepting that it's doing its job and learning how to work with it. So you just tell the ego, Oh no, this is what actually what we want right now. And it's like, Oh cool. Like I'll do that instead. And you just create a new ego rather than just always battling or trying to dissolve your ego. Um, it's never going to happen. It's who we are on this like physical body on this physical plane here. It's like, that's what makes us unique. And so the difference is we get to work with it and tell it what we want so that it creates a new ego, a new identity that does serve us. And when the ego realizes that it's not so needed anymore, like when we know how to feel safe in ourselves and like the world isn't constantly attacking us, the ego can let down a lot of its guards and you can come more vulnerably from the heart and you can show up because you know you're safe. You're comfortable in yourself. You're comfortable with others. And you're like, cool, I can just be me. And the ego doesn't always have to come and stand up for you, stand up for that inner child. And that's all it's doing. It's protecting. Um, yeah, that's all the resistance is, is that stepping in there. Before our call today, um, or before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about people that you work with going through an online program where you help them through some of the more conceptual things and help them through some of the resistance that comes along with that. But then when they show up at the retreat center, when you guys actually do some of the more hands-on work, can you walk me through what that looks like and what the purpose of that work is? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the work we do on our virtual foundations class is first off, introducing people to these concepts that we're talking about right now. When I heard these things for the first time, it was new for me. And it's usually new for many people. Like when we start talking about movie scripts and like playing out these roles and patterns, I was like, what? <laughs> and most people are like, what? Like, this is different. This doesn't compute. And so a, a big part of our foundations course is first teaching that. It's like, oh, like, these may be some things that you learned or didn't learn from mom. These may be some things you learned didn't learn from dad. And so that just at least starts to let our mind relax a little bit to get into the, the healing process, which is what the way we do it is more in the body. And that just lets the, the mind kind of like say, okay, there may be something to this. Um, and then the practice is we teach people how to, essentially do this for themselves. We teach people how to be the healer for themselves. We teach people it's a five-step process. And um, we take people through all five stages in the virtual program. And what we do is we teach them how to be with their emotions at the level of sensation. And so we do that by creating a lot of safety, guiding them through what's happening in a safe way, guiding them through the limiting belief. And that um, there's just a lot of repetition built in so that over three months, they're doing this dozens and dozens of times in different, different beliefs, but they're doing the same process. And they're like, oh, this sensation came up. Okay, I can feel safe to feel this. Like, maybe there's some energy that needs to be released. Like, oh, maybe I just need to scream right now. And rather than screaming at my, my partner or my kid, I can just scream into a pillow and like, wow, on the other side of that, I feel amazing and light and like that, I, I, that's not controlling me anymore. Or maybe it's, I just need to have, like, just need to cry or a tear and the body releases energy uh, into like somatics is it, it can be like yawning, burping, 
uh, tearing, laughing hysterically, tremoring or shaking. It can be like uh, snot or, or pus or whatever. Like these are all ways the body releases energy, sweating, um, cold, hot flashes. And all, all the body is doing is letting go of that thing that we've been consciously holding onto or suppressing for a long time. And when the energy moves, then and only then can we replace it with the new. As long as we're still carrying around that energy, like the, the replace, then this is what a lot of development work does. They just try to skip right ahead to like, oh, just tell yourself you love yourself. Like I love and accept myself. Mm -hmm. Like there's some, some usefulness to that, but you bump up against, cause then immediately another voice goes, yeah, but you really don't. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> And so what we do is we, we release the, the voice that is like the really you don't voice. And we're like, oh, wow. And what happens is it comes from their system. It doesn't come from their mind. It's, it's really amazing to watch is they're like, oh, wow, I do love myself. I do accept myself. And it's like almost the surprise. It feels strange for the first time because it's new. And then what we do is the practice of reinforcing and integrating it. The beautiful thing is when they do that repeatedly, in our foundations course online, they get so good at the practice that when, when they do come to a retreat, which is the second step, um, they can drop right into it. And then we can guide them even deeper than they were able to on their own. Um, and we can get to even deeper things. And it's just because they've, they've practiced something that was very new for them and they have comfort, they have a confidence and comfort in the process. Um, so it can go a lot faster because there's no resistance and it can be a lot more effective too. Okay, great. And then when they actually go meet up with you and your team, mm -hmm. um, you guys do the, a lot of breath work, right? Yep. And we, mm -hmm. I just had a Brandon on to talk about his form of Wim Hof, but maybe yeah. you can run us through your, your style. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Brandon. He's a good friend and, and he's an excellent practitioner of that. We do use some of that, what I would call like intense breath work to move energy. And what it's doing on like, call it like a physiological level is we're flooding the body with energy. In his case, like it's a lot of breath coming in and that gets things unstuck in the body. Same thing with some like really specific movement and like uh, you're just using the body to get energy unstuck. We do some of that. But I would say what's more useful in the way we facilitate is we use a lot of calming breath. We use a lot of down regulation breath um, to get people safe enough to where they can experience the healing re response, if you will. So I'll, I'll put it this way. If you're, if you're in the pattern, like if you're in emotional overwhelm, you can't also heal that emotional overwhelm. And so what we do is we get people to slow down so much that they can finally get into their body. And depending on like how in it they are, I say in it, just like how completely unconscious they are in the moment, we just get them slower and slower. And they may want to jump to, they may maybe just start like talking, talking, and we're like, slow and breathe. And we just take some really deep, slow breaths. And it's important to breathe in through the nose. So we fill our diaphragm. The lower you breathe in your body, the more calming effect it has. The higher you breathe, the more um, like panic response happens in your body. And so we use the breath to regulate and really in this purpose, down-regulate the body. 
And what will happen is, is we may not even start like talking and they may start releasing energy because it's maybe the first time or the first time in a long time, they've actually relaxed their body all the way down. It's really beautiful to watch. And like, they might start yawning. They might start like shaking and trying and it's just like, Oh, you finally gave your body permission to just do what it knows how to do. And oftentimes people don't even go into that state when they go to sleep because they go to bed in a panic state. They're watching TV. They're getting on their phones, scrolling negative stuff. And that's all soaking into their unconscious and they go to bed and like their unconscious is just processing all, processing all that. And they don't actually ever rest and recover. And that state of rest and recover is where the healing happens. And so taking some really slow inhales, slow exhales. And then we also bring down the volume, the tone, and the speed of our voice to just down-regulate the whole container, the whole room, the whole every person there. And it gives people enough safety to realize that like they can experience like whatever's happening inside of them. And what often happens is like, they'll be fine. They'll be good. And then they'll get to the root of something and it'll get really scary. And then we just bring the energy back down with breath. You say, okay, go back to your breath, breathing in, focusing on, focusing on the expansion as you inhale, the relaxation as you exhale and just bringing their intention back, attention back to the body allows them to realize yet again that what they were just getting overwhelmed about is just a sensation in the body. And then when we slow them down, they're like, oh, wow, like, okay, I'm just tracking. Okay, this is just feeling this. And they may start to get overwhelmed again. You can see it in their system. They start to like upregulate again. And we just bring them right back down. It's very slow breathing. And so what I tell people, some of the best advice is the most simple. And the best thing that people can do for themselves if they're at any stage of this process of like doing their inner work is the slower you can get, that means the slower you talk, the slower you move, the slower you breathe, the more space there is to see what is, what is accurately happening right now. Because as soon as we speed up, it's very easy to miss what's actually happening. It's easy to skip over what we're actually saying to ourselves. But when we slow down, we get really present. We get present with the sensations. We get present with the thoughts. And that is, we're, we're really taught to believe that the mind controls everything. But in fact, we, use, we can use the body and the breath to control the mind. When we slow down that whole system, people are like, oh, wow, my mind is clear for the first time ever. Or like, yeah, there's just space right now. It feels so calm. It's like, yeah. It's like we can, we can have access to that at any moment simply by slowing down our breath, slowing down our speech. And it drops us. And, and what people do is they'll take one breath. And then they'll go right back into it. Like, no, 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 let's keep going. And so depending on how, yeah, depending on how deep they are in it, the more time it may, may take. And so sometimes I'll, I'll spend minutes with people just like bringing them down and bringing them down. And then I'll ask them a question and I'll, I'll, I can tell right away. They're like, oh, they're still, they're still in it. And I'll just be like, bring them back down. So it's a lot of patience. It's a lot of patience and slowness 
And the way that we do it, I, I say it's a much more feminine approach to healing. Whereas like a lot of, um, a lot of programs are like very like attacking of the thing. It's just like, go change this thing. <laughs> and oftentimes it can be useful in some cases, but it can also just jack the ego back up and it meets resistance with resistance. And um, it's, I find that the way in which we do it, it's a lot slower and it requires us as facilitators to have a lot more patience while they go through their process, but it's a lot more lasting. It's a lot more lasting because they're, it's a very gentle process and they're like experiencing it all as it's happening. It's like we're doing the work in the unconscious body, but they're still conscious. It, it's not like we're on like, like 15 grams of mushrooms and they're completely gone. No, they're just, they're, they're there. And anytime they go up to their stories in their head, we just bring their attention back down into what's happening. And so it's, they can, it's almost like they can understand what's happening, but they don't quite understand in their mind, if that makes sense. It's like, mm -hmm. you couldn't really explain what just happened, but they're like, oh, that makes sense. Cause they felt it. They felt it. They felt the release and they felt the space and the lightness and they felt uh, the relief of whatever they just cleared. I really like that you brought up that this form of healing is more feminine because there's this misconception about what femininity is because I would actually call um, the, the retreat, I hesitate to recall it a retreat, but the special forces experience, you know, mm -hmm. on its surface, it is the most masculine event you could ever do such intensity. But what it is, is creating so much chaos and chaos is inherently feminine. And to be able to then sit in that a certain part of your mind shuts off because it just can't make sense of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so to be in that state for an extended period of time, you just learn to go with the flow to actually yep. feel like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not able to make any decisions right now because I'm in the thing needing to do the thing. What can I learn from my body? Mm -hmm. What is my soul telling me at the moment? And so even though our, our experiences are vastly different, they have a very common like thread in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that with the way that most of us are raised in the modern world, it's a highly masculine culture. Like it's a highly doing culture. It's a mm -hmm. high achieving culture, like everything from sports to business to relationship. It's like a very forceful, like penetrating society that we live in. And for most people, um, they need like men, men and women alike, they need more feminine in their life to, to balance out. And, and most people don't really know what that looks like until they experience it. Like you said, it's not just flowy dresses and incense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, let me see how we are on time. I always like to talk forever, but these things get so long. <laughs> I know. I know. So I kept Brandon on for like two hours. Love it. Um, I love it. Chris, where can people find you and do these retreats and your virtual experience and, and all the things? Yeah. Thank you. The, the best way to experience that is trainingcampforthesoul.com. Um, and they can find out all the information about the, the in-person, the virtuals, and all the work that we do. We often host free support calls to give people uh, a taste of the work that we do. 
highly encourage people to do it. It'll be very different than what you're expecting. Um, even after listening to this, it's hard to really know even what I'm talking about until you experience it. And it can actually be really light and it can be really easy. It doesn't have to be like heavy and painful. Um, and we show people that on the free support calls. Um, also the best place for me, uh, really the only place that I'm active is on Instagram and it's just my, my full name, Chris Marhefka and at Chris Marhefka. And, uh, I do a lot of videos and I share stories and, um, I give very different perspectives than usually what people are used to in their Instagram feeds. And so I encourage you to go check that out. And then also, um, through Instagram, I do, um, promote slightly a, a men's retreat that I host as well called live and lead. And we don't really market that one. And, um, but it is really designed for, uh, men who are leading or, or desiring to lead in their families, their communities, their businesses. Um, and <laughs> like you shared about the retreat experience that you host it on the outside, like people imagine it's very masculine. It's actually incredibly feminine. We just feel our feelings a lot. We hug each other. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, be it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, that people can find out about that on Instagram. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for spending the time with me and sharing all of your knowledge with us. We love you. Love you too, Jessica. Thank you <laughs> so much. On behalf of everyone, we love you. <laughs> oh, I feel so much love. <laughs> feel You're it welcome. all. <laughs> all right. Bye, Chris. Bye, Jessica. Bye.